do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Queen Mary Tudor, like her mother Catherine of Aragon, was an ardent Roman Catholic. She bore deep resentment toward her father, Henry VIII, for the humiliation of her mother during the days leading up to and following their acrimonious divorce. Following Mary's ascension to the throne in 1550, she tried to reintroduce Catholicism to the realm. But not surprisingly, she met with stiff resistance. So the new queen unleashed a reign of terror. Mary was determined to eradicate every trace of Protestantism so at her behest, Parliament repealed all laws enacted under Edward VI, which affected religion, thus banishing the Book of Common Prayer, removing the permission for clerical marriage, and withdrawing communion of both kinds. Church services were back to where they were in the last days of Henry VIII. Not content with the administrative reversal of the reforming work of the previous two decades, Mary launched a wave of unremitting persecutions as well. According to Kenneth Scott Latoriette, the reign of Mary witnessed a number of beheadings and burnings. Her brief reign was punctuated with rebellions and the spirit of the times regarded as normal the execution of the leaders. Moreover, to the Catholic, heresy was a major crime against God and society. The laws against heresy were revived, and under them about 300 went to the stake. Among the martyrs were the bishops Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, as well as the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, Preachers had their tongues cut out for preaching without a license. Ordinary citizens had their ears cut off for listening to unapproved preaching. The book by John Fox, The Acts and Monuments of uh, These Latter and Perilous Days Touching Matters of the Church, commonly simply called Fox's Book of Martyrs, documented Bloody Mary's heartbreaking reign of terror. Based on eyewitness accounts, it was written shortly after the events and published in 1563. It told the powerful stories of the martyrdom of Latimer, Ridley, and Cranmer, but perhaps none so touching as the story of the martyrdom of John Rogers. Rogers, scholarly youth, certainly did not suggest his cruel fate. Born in 1500, he was educated at Cambridge, becoming a master of the university. Afterward, he surrendered to a call to the ministry and became an Orthodox Catholic priest. He served first in the great commercial center of Antwerp, where he ministered to English merchants. It was at that time that he befriended the reformer, 
William Tyndall, who was at that time working on his translation of the Bible into vernacular English. Their friendship ultimately led Rogers to convert to Protestantism. And in short order, Tyndall suffered martyrdom and Rogers returned to England to pastor a small Reformed congregation. Determined to see Tyndall's work into print, Rogers obtained a license to print a full English-language Bible. Utilizing the text, Tyndall completed the entire New Testament and much of the Old, as well as Miles Coverdale's emendations, Rogers set the work to type and added his own interpolary notes. The work constituted not only the first widely distributed modern English-language Bible, but also one of the very first modern English-language commentaries on the Bible. Fully cognizant of Tyndall's fate, Rogers cautiously printed the work under the pseudonym Thomas Matthews, and to this day it is known as the Matthews Bible. Later, it became the basis of the Bishop's Bible and through it of the authorized version, the King James Version. Eventually, the official acceptance of Protestantism in England under Henry VIII and Edward VI brought Rogers new prominence. He was awarded high church positions and he preached the doctrines of grace with great fervor and great effect. But when sickly Edward VI died, and his bitter half-sister Mary Tudor ascended the throne, Rogers was certain to run into serious trouble. Three days after the new queen entered London, Rogers preached a message urging his congregation to remain faithful to the doctrines that they had been taught. For this sermon, he was questioned and placed under house arrest. A few weeks later, he was transferred to the notorious Newgate Prison, where he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. Rogers begged to be able to speak a few words to his wife before his execution. This was denied him, though he did meet her and his 11 children in the street as he was marched, singing songs and psalms the whole while to the site of his execution. At the stake, he was offered a pardon if he would only recant and return to Catholicism. He steadfastly refused. The fire was lit, and so began Mary's reign of terror. According to Fox, the agonizing horror of his final days were met with unstinting courage and abounding faith. When the time came that he should be brought out of Newgate to Smithfield, the place of his execution, Mr. Woodruff, one of the sheriffs, first came to Mr. Rogers and asked him if he would revoke his abominable doctrine and the evil opinion of the sacrament of the altar. Mr. Rogers answered, that which I have preached, I will seal with my own blood. Then Mr. Woodruff said, Thou art a heretic. That shall be known, quoth Mr. Rogers, at the day of judgment, 
Well then, said Mr. Woodruff, I will never pray for thee, but I will pray for you, said Mr. Rogers. And so he was brought that same day, the 4th of February, by the sheriffs towards Smithfield, saying, The Saint-Missier, by the way, all the people wondrously rejoicing at his constancy. With great praises and thanks to God for the same, there were, in the presence of Mr. Rochester, the Comptroller of the Queen's Household, Sir Richard Southwell and both sheriffs, and a great number of people, he was burnt to ashes, washing his hands in the flame as he was burning. A little before his burning, his pardon was brought if he would have recanted, but he utterly refused it. He was the first martyr of all the blessed company that suffered in Queen Mary's time that gave the first adventure upon the fire. His wife and children, being eleven in number, ten able to go and one suckling at her breast, met him by the way as he went towards Smithfield. This sorrowful sight of his own flesh and blood could nothing move him, but he constantly and cheerfully took his death with wonderful patience in the defense and the quarrel of the gospel of Christ. With a double dose of courage, that is the very foundation of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.com.